Online at riversideradio.com on your smart speaker. Play Riverside Radio. And now on DAB Digital Radio. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Riverside Radio and the Saturday Splash. You're listening to me, Rosie, and today, oh my goodness, have we got a treat in store for you. We could have done some feature about nature in Easter. We could have talked about eggs, but you know what? We went even one better. This week, we are playing Bats versus pterosaurs dun, dun, dun. now the premise of this game is i've got so many amazing people for you to meet i've got a bat specialist and a pterosaur specialist that are going to be battling it out to see who's going to be rulers of the sky and we do also have some fantastic judges on the line that we'll meet in just a moment but first of all i'd like to say a big hello to steph hello steph hello rosie hello and kieran hello kieran hi rosie I'm very happy you're both here today. Let's get to know you a little bit. And we're going to start with Steph. Tell us a bit about you and why you are here for Team Bat. Okay, so I'm Steph. I work at the Natural History Museum in the Centre for UK Biodiversity. But I spent my entire career working with bats in various different guises. I actually first got interested in bats when I was about 12 years old. Um, I went on a bat walk with our, um, with a school trip and it was absolutely fantastic. Aww. These amazing creatures zooming around everywhere and in the dark. It was absolutely oh, fascinating. That sounds cool. And I just got hooked and I've just been very very lucky that that's managed to turn into my career in a lot of ways amazing okay and let's hear from kieran hello kieran your team pterosaur today that's right yeah so my name's kieran i'm the fossil preparator at the natural history museum in london uh so when you find a fossil they're typically stuck in some kind of rock and it's the preparator's job to dig away that rock and reveal the fossil inside so i do have a whole range of tools i can do that with from sort of miniature sand blasters to sort of handheld pneumatic drill sort of things, all sorts of dentist equipment, uh, and even a hammer and chisel if it's uh, nothing else is working out. And did you even, say, uh, sorry, Kieran, did you say dentist equipment to oh, prepare yeah. these fossils? Absolutely, yeah, lovely drills and uh, saws and things that you might have seen at the dentist. Very, very handy for cutting away rock as well. Um, and it, some rocks you can even dissolve in acid if you're very, very careful. Um, so to, I studied paleontology, but to do my job, I also need to know a bit of anatomy, chemistry, uh, some DIY skills, pretty handy as well. And uh, I'm team pterosaur, although I'm not really a pterosaur researcher. They're just my favourite uh, fossil group. I just think they're the most interesting of all the prehistoric animals. Now, Kieran, I'm going to throw my next question to you because pterosaur... What, what is a pterosaur? If some people haven't heard of a pterosaur before, some people might be thinking flying dinosaurs. What, what, what is a pterosaur? Yeah, it's a good question uh, because they're not around anymore. They're a completely extinct group uh, of flying reptiles. So they were the first vertebrates, that's animals with a backbone, to evolve the ability to fly, which makes them pretty special. Uh, they're not dinosaurs. There are flying dinosaurs. We call those birds. Um, pterosaurs are their own unique group that actually managed to fly first uh, so th- they uh, they did that in their own special way so i think uh, you, just, live- you just dropped a few things on us so pterosaurs are not dinosaurs but absolutely birds, not birds are dinosaurs <laughs> yes yeah okay it's a bit confusing <laughs> but and even more confusing pterosaurs we think were actually very closely related to dinosaurs and they did live at the exact same time pretty much so they lived all through the mesozoic era that's the triassic jurassic and cretaceous periods 
from about 220 million years ago all the way up to about 65 million years ago. So that's a span of about 160 million years. So they're around for a really long time. Very successful group. Amazing. So the pterosaurs were around at the same time as dinosaurs, were not dinosaurs, and they could fly. Yes. Yeah. Amazing. They had a few, few sort of um, notable features you don't really see in dinosaurs, like they're extremely hollow bones. Ooh. Some of their bones are as thick as a playing card. And also they often have quite elaborate head crests. You might have seen famous ones like Pteranodon, which has a sort of long pointed crest sticking, sticking off the back of its head. So good, good headwear on pterosaurs. Yes, yes, absolutely. Very fashionable. Now, bats, we're going to come over to Team Bat now. I imagine most people have heard of a bat, but, you know, if we haven't, what, what is a bat? Okay, so a bat is, well... The bats in general are the only true flying mammal species. Uh, they make up this incredible, diverse group of, uh, of flying mammals, but it's not just their ability to fly that makes them truly unique. There's over 1,400 species in the world. They make up about 20% of all mammals. So they're spread across almost every single continent, apart from some of the really cold bits. Um, they range from the tiny little hognose bat, Kitty's hognose bat, which weighs just two. Two grams. Two grams. That that's like a two p piece yeah, or something. Exactly. It's it's one of the world's smallest mammals. But then they range all the way up to the giant golden crowned bat, which can weigh one point six kilograms. Oh wow! And every single you know size and shape in between. Almost all of them are nocturnal. They're present in almost every part of the world um, and they fill a huge range of niches. Some of them feed on insects. All of our species in the UK feed on insects and they're therefore really important for pest control. Some of them feed on nectar, so they're great pollinators. Some of them feed on frogs and other vertebrates even. And some of them feed on fruit, so they're really important for seed dispersal. So they provide all sorts of different ecological functions within our environments. And of course, the most famous feed on blood Ooh. that's our vampire bats of which there are three species which all exist in south america i like the sound of vampire <laughs> bats i hope we're going to dive into this a little bit more today on the saturday splash now today we are playing a game it's going to be team pterosaurs versus team bats and we do have some very special judges who are going to be determining who is the ultimate rulers of the sky and we're going to be meeting our special judges after jacks jones Welcome back. You are listening to Riverside Radio, the Saturday Splash, where we are determining today who is the ultimate rulers of the skies. Is it going to be bats or is it going to be pterosaurs? And helping me make that all-important decision, we have our VIP guests on the line. Hello, guests. Hello, judges. Give us a hello. 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 Let's get to know you. Judge number one, Harrison. Tell us, who are you, how old are you, and what have you been up to lately? Hello, my name's Chris Harrison. I'm, I'm seven, and I've been playing football at um, university, um, uh, university grounds. And what position football do you play, or are you just practising, trying a few out? Uh, goalkeeper. Wow, impressive stuff, Harrison. Goalkeeper Harrison. And we've got your big sister here, haven't we, as well? Hello, big sister. What's your name and how old are you? Uh, I'm Sky and I'm 13. Sky and you're 13. And you're on half term as well at the moment for Easter holidays? Yeah. What have you been up to recently? Uh, I've been doing a lot of horse riding and I did a 
show jumping competition on Thursday. Wow, we have a busy pair here. So we've got um, brother Harrison, we've got Sky sister, but we've also got Auntie Danny. Hello, Auntie Danny. Hello, hi. How are you? Yeah, good, thank you. Have you been having a nice break for Easter? Oh, yeah, yeah. I've been uh, out in the sun. It's been lovely. Getting as much as I can. (laughs) Well, you three have very kindly um, agreed to help judge this competition this morning. Are you up for that challenge? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Excellent. So we've got five rounds, and it's going to be a little bit like top trumps. For each of these rounds, there's a different category. And each of our scientists, Steph for Team Bat and Kieran for Team Pterosaur, have only got 60 seconds for each category to try to convince you and everyone listening why either bats or pterosaurs should be crowned rulers of the sky. So I've got my timer ready here and we are going to start with round one, which is wings. Wings is round one and that's because both bats and pterosaurs have wings. So we're going to go to team bats first of all. I'm putting one minute on the clock. Steph, are you ready? I'm ready. Off you go. Okay, so bats have amazing wings. As our only true flying mammal, they have wings like nothing else. The wing membrane is a fine, delicate feeling skin. It's amazingly flexible and extraordinarily good at repairing itself if it gets damaged. The wing membrane reaches between these ridiculously extended long finger bones and it reaches right down all the way down to the little finger to the ankles connecting up the tail and all the way back up the other side. This means that they have incredible control over their wings um, which means that they can be extremely capable and very very agile flyers they size wise they of course range dramatically but our largest bat in the world has a wingspan of nearly six foot that's incredible absolutely amazing size but fundamentally to sum up bats fly by the power of jazz hands bats fly by the power of jazz hands and steph i've got to say you got it just in the time there. Fantastic. Okay, that was Team Bat's argument for wings. Team Pterosaur, are you ready? Your, ready. Your time starts now. Okay, so Pterosaur wings are also completely unique. Uh, they had four fingers. The first three were short fingers with claws on, and the fourth finger, the equivalent of our ring finger, was extremely long and strong and supported the entire wing membrane. Uh, the wing brain membrane itself is really complex. And it's got layers of muscles, uh, looping blood vessels, uh, stiffening fibres that kept the wings taut during flight. Uh, but also when they landed on the ground, they could still walk around and run because these stiffening fibres allowed the wings to be collapsed back. They could swing that wing thing all the way back above their shoulders and walk around with the wings collapsed like a fan, which is pretty incredible. Uh how am I doing? 20 seconds. All right. So <laughs> uh, the other thing that makes it pretty amazing is uh, I think bats probably fly on average, what, about 10 miles an hour. Uh, we Estimates for the big pterosaurs suggest they can fly 60 or 70 miles an hour on these wings. So I'm saying that the pterosaur wings are just straight up better. Um, <laughs> and the fact that it's supported on one single finger, I think that makes it pretty impressive. Oh, the scientists have been practising their timing, haven't they? I like a little bit of um, smash talk there from Kieran on the bats. So we've got pterosaurs flying faster. Have we got any judges' comments at this point? Or are you going to just listen, continue to take it all in? I think it's all very interesting. I think it's going to be very difficult deciding which ones, um, which 
which ones are going to win. Okay, all right. Well, we've got a few more rounds of this game to play. But up next, we've got Live Lounge All Stars. Play that On DAB Digital Radio across Southwest London, this is Riverside Radio. Hello again. You are listening to the Saturday Splash with me, Rosie. We're still joined by scientist Steph. Hello. Kieran is still there. Hello. Hello. And our fantastic judging panel, Sky Harrison and Auntie Danny. Hello, you three. Hello. Hello, hello. Right. So up next in our battle, bats versus pterosaurs, the next category, we've already had category one, which was about wings. The next category is deadliness. So we're going to go team pterosaur first for this one. So team pterosaur, are you ready? Uh, yeah. Your time starts now. Okay, so pterosaurs were quite diverse. There's a whole range of them with different skulls and teeth and teeth and things. Uh, so they all have a range of diets, um, but most of them probably ate other animals. So some of them probably hunted insects, some caught fish. But for the, I'm going to nominate uh, Hatsigopteryx as deadliest pterosaur. Uh, so in what's now Romania, but was then what's called Hatsig Island in the Cretaceous period, there's a pterosaur called Hatsigopteryx that was enormous, it was absolutely terrifying. Uh, so what's interesting about Hatsig Island is there seems to be no big predatory dinosaurs there, uh, but there were lots of small plant-eating dinosaurs, and it seems like this super-sized pterosaur is actually the top predator on the island, stomping around, maybe even eating small dinosaurs. So how terrifying is that? The idea of a giant flying reptile stalking around prehistoric Transylvania, eating dinosaurs. That is surely the deadliest pterosaur. Amazing. So we've got a giant pterosaur eating dinosaurs. Scientists, I think I've given you too much time. You're good at this. You're very good at this. Okay, so giant pterosaurs eating dinosaurs. I mean, that's a pretty strong start. Can Team Bat beat that? Off you go. Well, I can't beat giant, huge uh, uh, pterosaurs, but I can talk about the number of uh, of uh, prey species that a single bat can eat. And while some bats uh, are probably only deadly if you're, say, a piece of fruit, the bat I'm going to stick with for this example is actually our most common bat species. It's the common pipistrelle. Now, the pipistrelle bats, we find them in the UK. We have three species resident here. We've got the common, the soprano, and the nethusiast pipistrelle uh, that live in England, and all of those are found in London. There are smallest bats, but even being that tiny, and I've actually got one here that I've shown to Rosie and I can show just how small this is to our um, to our guests on Zoom. Um, those bats will eat up to 3,000 mosquitoes a night. Oh, 3,000. Now imagine what your barbecue would be like in the summer if there were 3,000 more mosquitoes around. Oh, nice, nice touch there. Now, Steph, I don't think we can ignore the fact that you just told us you've brought a bat into the studio. So let's talk about that for a second. (laughs) Could you describe to everyone, is there a bat flying around Riverside Radio at the moment? There is not a bat flying around the studio at the moment, I'm afraid. I'm just uh, showing it to our, our Zoom people. Uh, This is actually a uh, desiccated bat uh, that I hold under licence. You have to have a bat licence to uh, keep uh, remains of bats. Um, So So when you say desiccated, 
I'm, I've imagined that that bat is not alive anymore, sadly, and it's dried out. Yes. So I found it when I was doing a survey back in 2008. Sadly, it had already died in the loft and I found it on the floor. Um, so it's uh, my kind of stumped bat, my prop bat. Uh, when I'm doing talks. And I like that you're using it to your advantage in the competition today. Now, I think we want to hear from some judges' comments at this point. We're going to go for a bit of a break in just a moment. But judges, Harrison, Sky, and Auntie Danny, have we got any comments so far? Are there any questions you'd like to check in on? Oh, I can see a hand up from Harrison, is it? Or are you stretching? Um, hand up. Okay, tell me. And come a little bit closer to the microphone, Harrison, as well. Okay, um... I'm impressed with the bats and how many how many people can it kill? Oh, how many people can the bats kill or the pterosaur? Oh, how how oh. You've you've <laughs> lost it. Well, let's let's put it to both our scientists. So Harrison seems impressed with the bats so far. People killing, is that on the deadliness scale for the bats? They're just not going to fit into into a bat's diet, I'm afraid. They're certainly not going to eat them. Um, and there's actually very few diseases which can oh, switch over uh. from bats to humans. Um, so, <laughs> so there are some, uh, so we do have to be careful. Um, and it's one of the reasons why you shouldn't pick up a bat Absolutely. if you find one. Um, but no, they're not deadly to humans, just to insects and no, I things can like that. I can see our, our guests, um, our judges have some more questions. But I do want to, just want to put that question to Team Terror or as well were they deadly enough to like get humans <laughs> well fortunately no human was ever eaten by pterosaur bats only because humans and pterosaurs never coexisted right uh, it died out a long time before we ever appeared on the scene but i imagine if you're walking around prehistoric romania a hatsagopteryx wouldn't think twice about snapping you up oh um... <laughs> probably all in one go well, there you go, Harrison. Pterosaurs maybe could have taken out the odd human or two. Did we have any other final, very quick judges' comments before we go to a quick ad break? Harrison, you got your hand up. You're so eager. Go on, quickly. I've got it, I've got it back. How deadly are the fangs? How deadly are the fangs? I'll tell you what, I'm going to let our teams think about that and we're going to go for a quick break. This is Hello and welcome back to Riverside Radio. We are still here for the Saturday Splash. We've got the battle of the pterosaurs versus the bats. And I'm joined by my fantastic guest judges, Harrison, Skye and Auntie Danny. And Harrison, you had a question before the break and we're going to put it to our scientists. How deadly were the fangs? So can we go to Kieran first for this one? We'll just have a quick answer if that's okay. Sure. So I just um, happen to have a pterosaur tooth with me. Right? Um, so you can see that some of the pterosaurs actually had really long, slim, sharp fangs, uh, particularly ones that were needed to grab fish. So this is probably from an ornithochirid pterosaur. And the whole mouth would have been filled with these sort of really long, snaggly teeth that would have extended right out of the jaws when it closed its mouth. You would have seen these long teeth pointing out. And they'd be great for spearing fish from the sea. Now, Kieran's holding up a pterosaur tooth there. It's about like the length of maybe like half your finger, maybe or about the length of your thumb to give everyone an idea. Yeah, about the length of your thumb, maybe a little bit smaller to give you an idea of just how big that tooth is there. We'll come over to Steph. How deadly are bats fangs? Well, if you're a human, not very. Yeah. But if you're a moth, 
or something like that, then they certainly would be absolutely deadly. And they've got these amazing razor-sharp little teeth. Mm. But they're not going to do very much damage if you're a human, really. I guess that's a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. They're really not that scary in a lot of ways. Not to us. Not to us. That's good. Well, that leads us very nicely onto our third round in our Bats versus Pterosaurs, Rulers of the Sky, which is cuteness. I thought we had to do something for Easter. So round number three is cuteness. And we're going to go to Team Bat for this one to start off. Are you ready, Steph? Yep, ready. Off you go. Okay, well, obviously, I think bats are incredibly cute. But as we said at the start, there are loads of them. And they range from these old world fruit bats, which look like greyhounds with wings. So they look like (laughs) your pet dog that can fly. They really are sky puppies. But if you want to see those at their cutest, you're going to have to search for those on the internet. And I strongly recommend uh, doing a search for baby bat eats a banana. Baby bat eats a banana, everyone, for later. Fantastic. Baby bat eats a banana. Absolutely. But some of our insectivorous ones have these incredibly cute little smushed up faces. (gasps) They look ridiculous in so many ways. And I think they're absolutely adorable. But these little crinkled up faces have an amazing use. (gasps) Some of the bats, and they they navigate around in the dark using something called echo location they produce these little clicks and all of these strange little folds and nose leaves and things are to actually help them to modify the sound so not only do they look ridiculously cute it's also really really useful for helping them to find their way around in the world oh and if i've got a couple of seconds left oh, time is up i'm afraid we're just giving you 60 seconds for your answers but you know what i think i'm sold on cuteness of bats <laughs> pterosaurs you've got quite the job ahead of you kieran are you ready Yep. Your 60 seconds starts now. Okay, I'm not going to lie, I'm worried about this one because bats <laughs> are indeed ridiculously cute. But that said, I'm going to try and win some cuteness points for pterosaurs anyway. So firstly, baby pterosaurs are called flaplings. How <gasps> cute is that? Uh, secondly, pterosaurs weren't scaly like modern reptiles. They had fuzzy coats that would have looked a bit like short fur all over their necks and bodies. Um but if you want a really cute pterosaur, let me tell you a bit of the aneurognathids. Uh, so these are mostly very small pterosaurs. Most of them fit in the palm of your hand. Uh, extra fuzzy. Even their faces are fuzzy. They had short faces, big eyes, wide mouths, tiny teeth. And they've been compared to the cookie monster from Sesame Street <laughs> before. And it's a good comparison. Uh, it's like a cross between a bat, a frog, and some kind of muppet. It's super cute. And if you can spell it, I highly recommend looking up aneurognathids oh. to see a really, really cute pterosaur. Could we just type in cute, fluffy pterosaur? Probably, yes. Oh, I like the sound of that. Yeah, pterosaurs, I was worried for that one for you as well, but um, your time is up. You got it well within time. Oh, judges, what did you make of that round? Any quick comments? Auntie Danny, have you got any thoughts? Oh, I'm very interested in the, the cute, is it, the, what was the nickname for the, the mini pterosaur, the, the baby flapper, flappersaur? Flaplings. Flaplings. Sorry, I got that wrong. Yeah, was, uh, that sounds super cute. <laughs> I feel like flappersaur has a whole other, that, like a whole other book universe of flappersaurs. And Harrison, I can see you've got something you'd like to say as well. I like, I, I like, um, I'm still sticking with the bats. You're still sticking with the bats? We've got a strong bat. Oh, Harrison is not (laughs) afraid to pledge alliance. Okay, we've got one other round and we're going to take another break. Now, this is my favourite round because this round is poo. Everyone's favourite round is poo and pterosaurs. You're going to go first this time. So, Kieran, are you ready? Your minute starts now. 
Okay, sure. So, uh, as you know, we're very lucky we can find fossil poo, and we call it coprolites. Uh, although a good number of dinosaur coprolites have been found, unfortunately only four pterosaur poos have ever been found, and they're all in the last couple of years. Uh, three were found together in Poland, and we think they're from a flamingo-like group of pterosaurs called the Tinochasmatids. And these were have been like... Um, the famous one is Pterodalstra, which looks kind of like a flying toothbrush. It's got these really long, bristly <laughs> teeth. And we think they would have eaten much like flamingos, sort of filter feeding, uh, sieving invertebrates out of the water. And these poos that we found actually really good evidence of this because they contain all kinds of little shells and interesting things from the water. So they're probably from these filter feeding pterosaurs. And the only other one is from a Ramphorhynchus and contains strange things that might be maybe little hooklets from squid arms or bits of gills from fish. So it's a bit of a mystery, that one. So to try and win this round, I'm going to say pterosaur poo is extra special because it's so incredibly rare. Only four ever found in the world. Time is up, I'm afraid, but a strong argument so far for pterosaur poo. Um, Steph, your minute starts now. Okay, so bat poo certainly isn't rare. And actually, when we're doing surveys for bats, a poo is actually the first thing we're often looking for because all of our bats in the UK are crevice dwellers, so they tuck themselves up into these tiny little spaces. And often poo is the first thing that we see, which sounds like a really strange thing to do for a job when you say it out loud. <laughs> but the reason why we're doing that is, well, bats, um, how can we put this delicately? They uh, somewhat lighten the load when they're taking off. Uh, so underneath, the roost you'll find these piles of droppings which can be a really good clue obviously that you've got bats there so it's really important for helping us find it the poo itself is really specific it looks a lot like mouse droppings um, but where mouse droppings are squishy because they're they can drink a lot of water bats have to be really really water efficient um, so they're droppings are really really dry and we call it the oxo test because they crumble like a stock cube so that's how you tell whether or not you've got bat poo or mouse poo that you've just found what a fantastic place to leave it oxo like bat poo oh my goodness i don't know which way this is gonna go i think we need a break Hello, welcome back to the Saturday Splash. You are listening to me, Rosie, and oh my goodness, this studio has descended into madness this week. We are playing Bats versus Pterosaurs, you know, the nation's favourite game, where we are finding out who are going to be crowned the rulers of the sky. Um, and we've got one round left to see which one is going to be. Um, and I just want to hear from our judges at this point and see which way you're leaning or if you haven't made up your mind yet. So we're going to start with Judge Harrison. What are your thoughts at the moment? I'm thinking of the bat. Oh, say that a little bit louder for me, Judge Harrison. I'm, I'm thinking of the bats. Oh, you're leaning towards the bats. You've been quite a strong on the bat side so far. How about you, um, Judge Skye? Um, I'm not too sure yet. I'm hoping this last round will um, help me make my mind up. Oh, I like that. All to play for for Sky And Auntie Danny. I think I'm leaning towards the pterosaurs. <gasps> um, yeah, I like that they, they can go quite fast. Sky and Harrison know that I like fast cars, so I was very impressed with that, that speed. Oh, I like this. Excellent. Okay, so we've got time for one final round. And this round, I've let our scientists choose what topic they want to talk about. Um, so I think we will start with Steph and Team Bats. So first of all, what is your category that you've chosen? Okay, so I'm going for age 
or how long they live. Age. Okay. All right. Interesting. Your one minute starts now. Okay. So age for a mammal is usually proportional to body size. Okay. So the smaller a species is, the less time you live for. So a mouse might live to be two if it's lucky. Okay. Whereas an elephant might live to be 70 and a blue whale to 110 years old. There are very few species that buck this trend. There's humans, naked mole rats and bats. Now, bats knock all theories about longevity out of the park. The Brant's bat is a mid-sized bat. It's a UK species um, and it, it's tiny. One individual was caught and a ring put on it um, so we could identify it in 1964. And it was then recaptured as a perfectly healthy adult bat 41 years <gasps> later. So it's completely thrown out of the window, all these concepts of body size relative to age. And research led by a group in Dublin, led by uh, the marvellous Professor Emma Teeling, has shown that this is down to some remarkable adaptations in their DNA, which means they simply don't age in the way that almost every other species does. Oh, wow. 40, at least 40 years for that bat. That's incredible. Thank you, Steph. Now, Kieran, we're coming over to Team Pterosaurs. What is your kind of specialist subject? Um, I've chosen size. Size. Predictably. Okay. All right. Your one minute starts now. Yeah, I hate to get all my animals bigger than your animal, uh, but pterosaur size is really something that really sets them apart from all other flying animals. Some pterosaurs were enormous. Uh, the biggest ones belong to a group called the Ajdarkids, and these things were the largest flying animals that ever lived. Uh, for example, there's a pterosaur called Quetzalcoatlus from Texas, obviously, because everything's bigger in Texas, that stood about the height of a giraffe with a wingspan of a small plane, with wings outstretched, wings about wingtip to wingtip would have been about 11 metres across. Uh, to compare that with modern birds, the biggest bird wingspan at the moment is the wandering albatross, which is a little over three and a half metres. So we're talking about something that's Wingtip to wingtip is almost three times wider than the, the biggest flying bird today. And that's not the only giant pterosaur. There's a few others. It's Cryodracon from Canada. As I mentioned, Hatsocoptrix from Transylvania. Generally, as darkage tended to grow to enormous sizes, even their skulls could be up to three metres long. Wow. One of the longest skulls of any land animal has ever lived. So just their head could be three metres long. I'm trying to think that's, that's like two of me if i stood on my head on my shoulders that's how big their head would be yes yeah, terrifying that's incredible wow okay and do you know what i was just thinking whilst you're talking there kieran one round that pterosaurs would definitely win is complicated names i <laughs> <laughs> those names that you're coming out with they're fantastic right so that is all of our rounds but i know our judges do have some questions so i'm going to come over to sky sky did you have a question that you'd like to ask yeah, I've got one for Kieran. Um, um, whereabouts is the most common place for pterosaurs to be found? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, they lived probably all over, all around the world during the Mesozoic, but the best place to find them as fossils has to be where the rocks are the right age and the preservation is really good. And so probably the countries that are best for this are Germany, Brazil and China, because there's areas in these places where fossils preserve really, really well. And it's from places, for instance, in Germany, where you can see even the wing membrane preserved or the soft fuzz that would have covered, the, covered their bodies. So, yeah, uh, actually in the UK as well, is actually one of the quite a good place. Wow, that's really cool. Yeah, I want to follow up on that as well, Kieran, because obviously we're here in London. We are a London radio station and podcast. Are there any pterosaurs, yeah, in the UK, close to where we might be? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, not 
anymore, obviously. Um, but the best place to go in London to see pterosaur courses is the Natural History Museum because uh, we have a, a nice collection, a small but important collection of pterosaur remains, and only a few on display. They're a bit. If you know where to look, you can see some really interesting pterosaur specimens on display. And actually, if you're looking at the beautiful building itself, you might see the carved pterosaurs on the outside of the building, uh, which are really, really nice. But yeah, certainly there's sites around the UK which are, are great for pterosaur fossils. Um, there's Folkestone in Kent, there's Weymouth in Dorset. Um, just to highlight um, three very quick uh, important pterosaur discoveries from England. Uh, the first pterosaur that was found outside of Germany was actually in England, and it was by Mary Anning. And crazy, you know, I'm a big Mary Anning fanboy, uh, so I had to mention that. In 1827, she discovered the first pterosaur in England, Dimorphodon, from Lyme Regis. So that was a really important discovery. And also, but, Kieran, uh, this, you were telling me about a slightly more modern day discovery by by somebody else as well. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, pterosaurs are still turning up. Uh, in uh, 2013, I think it was named uh, on the Isle of Wight, there's a pterosaur called Vector Draco. And it was actually discovered by a five-year-old girl who was out fossil hunting. And what's even nicer is uh, that they actually named the species after. So when you name an, an animal, a scientist gives it a name, and it's uh, two words, like Tyrannosaurus rex, that's the genus and species. So the full name of this pterosaur is Vector Draco Daisy Morrisi, after Daisy, Daisy Morrisi, let's just say, after Daisy Morris, who uh, discovered this pterosaur. So five-year-old Daisy Morris found a really important pterosaur in the Isle of Wight not too long ago. And that's something I love about paleontology, it's the sort of science where anyone can make a really important discovery if they look hard enough. And actually, in the last couple of months, another pterosaur just uh, was announced from the Isle of Skye. Um, and this is a tricky name because it's, it's the first one has been named in Gaelic, so I'm going to attempt to pronounce it. But it's called Jarkskianach, and uh, apologies if I butchered that. But uh, yeah, it's the largest Jurassic pterosaur that's ever been found. Uh, pterosaurs didn't really become giant until the Cretaceous. Okay. So it's quite an interesting one. Sky, that was such a good question. You've got so much interesting information out of that question there. Now, we've got time for one final question for Steph. And I know that Auntie Danny had a question. Um, so, Auntie Danny, what was that? Oh, yeah. So, um, I'm a big fan of alcohol and food. <laughs> <laughs> I had heard rumours that bats have to do with, like, maybe their poos used in some food or some alcohols. So I was just double checking. Um, not that I'm going to avoid that alcohol or food, but I just wanted to know. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, who isn't a great fan of, of food and, and, a, and an occasional drink? Um, but yeah, so bats, I mean, I guess you probably could use the droppings as like a fining to like clarify alcohol, but I've not heard of it being used specifically in that way. But the thing that they are really important for is tequila. Now, I don't know if you like um, tequila, Danny, um, yes. but uh, <laughs> I'm guessing probably, because um, who doesn't? Um, but um Bats are actually the main pollinators of the agave plant and that is the species that's used to make tequila. So without bats, you wouldn't have agave and you wouldn't have tequila which I think is a particularly important feature of bats. Absolutely. Okay, all right. We're going to take another break and then come back for the final results of Bats versus Pterosaurs. And everyone listening, who are you going to crown your champions of the sky? We'll find out after Trevor Daniel. Hello, and we are almost ready to find out who is going to be the champion. Our judges have been conferring in the break, but it is up to them who wins it for themselves. So we're going to come to... We've got um, 
of course, Steph, Team Bat, and Kieran, Team Pterosaur, have been battling out over the last five rounds, but their time is over. So, Judge Harrison, who has won it for you? Now, I would like, this is my announcement, whatever it's called, um, I vote for Team Bats. Harrison has gone for Team Bats. Steph is celebrating in the studio. Okay, we're going to go to Auntie Danny next. Auntie Danny, who's got your vote? I would like to go with Pterosaurs. <gasps> oh, yes. it's one apiece. And oh, it looks like Sky might have the deciding vote for us today in the studio. Sky, which one is it for you? I'm going to go with... Pterosaurs have won today in the studio. Harrison is commiserating, but it is up to everyone listening who, which one won it for you. Now, we are almost out of time. I want to say a big thank you to my three very special guest judges. Will you come back and join us again on Riverside Radio? Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. And thank you to Kieran and Steph. Now, Steph, I'm going to give you the final word because it is National Bat Day tomorrow and we do have bats around us here in London. So um, how do we look after them? How do we be friends with bats? Okay, so we have an amazing number of bats in London considering how urban we are here. But there's actually nine species right here in the city. And I live in Lambeth and we get to see common pipistrels, for example, over there all the time. Um, So there's loads of things you can do to help and support bats. First off, find out more about them. Go and have a look at the Bat Conservation Trust website or go and find out about the London Bat Group and you will find out loads and loads of information. Get to go on amazing walks and talks and surveys even right in the middle of the city looking at bats. So you get to see them yourselves with an expert. And then there's loads of things you can do. If you've got a garden or a window box or something like that, um, plant species which are going to attract night flowering uh, night flying insects that bats love Ah. to eat so things like evening primrose and that sort of thing will bring in bat food and then they'll come closer to where you are so you can see them even better and then think a little bit about street lighting as well or lighting at night close your curtains so the light doesn't escape out from your windows and think about where your security lights are so that we don't have too much light flooding out into those dark spaces that our bats want to use to be able to coexist with them but London is amazing for bats it's absolutely fantastic and what was it the London Bat Trust the London Bat Group and the Bat Conservation Trust there we go if you want to find out more information you can have a little search for them but we are out of time a huge thank you to all of my fantastic guests we are back next week when we are discussing penguins and dragons but that was Saturday's Splash and we will see you again next week